I um I take seriously what I say. You know, I I pl- pray and plan and and do all of those things for the message. But I also I never want to miss a chance if if uh, there's a sense of maybe God doing something in worship. I just don't want to miss that. And honestly, we usually get I usually get more positive feedback from those things that are more spontaneous than anything I've prepared, which doesn't say much for what I've prepared. But it does say we want to take seriously those opportunities. So, uh, like I said, today I felt like I only had half of the sentence and I wasn't sure what to do with it other than lay it out there. So uh, we're, we're trying and we're learning and we're trying to grow. So appreciate y'all uh, participating in that. Uh, several announcements uh, tonight at Riverstone. That's our parent church. Uh, we have Face Down. That's from 6 to 8. Uh, it's a time of prayer and worship. There are three churches that we're affiliated with, Stonebridge, Riverstone, and a new church in Paulding County called Vintage 242. And the first Sunday of every month, we come together corporately for prayer. Uh, if you're kind of a, a worship person, Rita Springer is leading worship tonight, so that ought to be a treat. So 6 o'clock at Riverstone. That's the corner of Barrett Parkway and Stylesboro Road. Um, Marietta Grassroots, we've been talking about this for a while. Two folks in our church, Les Saunders and Suzanne Murphy, have pulled together an organization called Marietta Grassroots that's uh, focused is on creating or putting on positive kind of family-friendly community events in Marietta. And the first one is next Saturday, September 12th, and it's the Marietta Grassroots Music Festival. They're showcasing local bands on the square. It is from... Three to nine. So I'd encourage you to come by at some point. Encourage the lesson, Suzanne. They put a ton into this, and many of you have supported them on uh, different levels. So continue to pray for them, and uh, I'd encourage you to show up next Saturday from sometime between three and nine. Worship night. That's this Thursday, September tenth, from six thirty to eight. Uh, that's just we we gather together and we just worship. Your kids are welcome. We need to know if your kids are coming. Uh, so we can make sure that we've got folks to watch them. We're actually trying to include the kids in worship more and more. So that's this Thursday at 6.30. You don't have to have musical ability, just a heart uh, to worship the Lord. Let me see what else. Next Sunday, uh, after the service, we'll have a kind of an orientation and a training for anyone interested in helping with hospitality or ministry. Afterwards, we have uh, prayer teams up here, and we would like to increase the number of folks uh, participating in that. So if you're interested in doing that, or in hospitality, which really is just being nice to people, greeting people. Stay after church next Sunday. You can see Kim. Uh, she was the one who gave announcements. You can see Kim afterwards, and she can talk to you about that. College students, the call at uh, Kennesaw State is Thursday, September 17th, from 6.30 to 11.30 p.m. at the Lutheran Church on the Kennesaw State campus. I'm assuming if you go to Kennesaw, you know where all of that is. It's a time for prayer and worship for the body of Christ. Uh, one other thing, two other things. If you're new in the last six months and you're thinking about making Stonebridge your home church, so in the last six months you've been coming and you think you might fit here, want to know if you fit here, we're going to have a welcome reception for you on Sunday, September 20th. That's two weeks from today at 730 uh, at Greg and Amy Norris's home. They just live right down the street, right down Cherokee Street. If you're interested in that, Again, it's, you're not committing to us. It's you want to maybe meet some of the leaders in the church. You want to hear a little bit about the, the history behind the church, where we think we're headed. You're thinking this might be the place for you. I'd encourage you to come. That's Sunday, September 20th at 730. You can RSVP uh, to Kim on that. All right. Oh, never mind. I still have two more. Parking. If you're staying for art in the park, you need to pay the guy. You're free here until 12.15. After 12.15, you need to go and pay 
the attendant in the back. I think it's five dollars uh, for the rest of the day. So if you're going to stay to either, even if you're just staying to eat, they need that parking lot for the art festival. So if you're parked either back here or across the street here, you're good through church. It's free. That's fine. But at twelve, if you're going to stay for anything, you need to go and pay them and just let them know where your car is, and they'll give you a little ticket. All right, Second Corinthians five, starting in verse eighteen. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Went to Kroger on Thursday night with our four-year-old. We had to pick up a few things, and we were in line. We had 18 items. I counted because we didn't have 15, which meant I couldn't fast track. I don't know if any of you fudge on that, but I don't. 15 is 15. I had 18, so I was in the slow line. And the lady in front of us was an absolute stereotype, 100%. We happened to park next to her, so I know she drove a Subaru, and she had a dog with a bandana, and she had a yoga mat. Her stuff, she had everything was soy and hummus and Sam Adams and organic and all natural. She had single ply toilet paper. She brought her own bags that said Berkeley Farmer's Market. She was granola. All, she was wearing it. And so we're standing in line, and she turns around to our four-year-old, who looks four. He doesn't look, he's not older than that. He doesn't look old. And she says, do you bring your own bags? And he just looks at her, and I say, no, we don't bring our own bags. And then she gets this look on her face, like I said, we eat babies for dinner. And she, do you get Ranger Rick? Do you all know what Ranger Rick is? magazine for young kids. It's like National Geographic kind of for eight-year-olds. And he's four. He can't read. And she says, do you get Ranger Rick? And I said, no. His brother used to get it. And what I'm thinking is we don't have time to read it because we spend so much time in our Hummer driving down to the Amazon to clear-cut rainforest. But she's, she's saying, do you get it? And I said, no. Her, her brother, his her, his brother used to get it, but we don't get it anymore. And she, again, very teacherly, I mean that in love, says, well, you should resubscribe. And then, thankfully, the cashier is a talker. It's this woman's turn. They're about the same age, so they start talking about how people their age are having to go back to work and how difficult that is. And she's so busy talking, she's getting plastic bags. My moral superiority, it's just rising up in me. Like, I'm thinking, can I borrow the microphone? Hypocrite! Hypocrite! I don't say anything. She's fine with it. She gets half plastic, half Berkeley hemp bags or whatever she's got, and we, and we go. I was thinking about that and thinking about this. If you were here last week, Penny talked about the importance of us knowing who we are in Christ. She talked about, she called it the Jedediah identity. That was from, uh, that was Solomon's name given by God, which means God, God's beloved. 
And she was saying how important it is for all of us to recognize who we are in Christ because we live out of our our identity. If we don't know that God loves us, then we're going to be, we're bent the wrong way. We can never get where God wants us to go if we don't start from the solid foundation. I was thinking about that and thinking about this passage this morning, and they're very similar. Paul makes an identity statement in this 2 Corinthians passage. He says, you are Christ's ambassadors. That's an identity statement. And just like it's, a, it's vital for us, essential for us to know where we stand with God, that he loves us because he loves us, period, it's also vital for us to know that he sees us, he's called us or commissioned us to be his ambassadors. Now, for me, this is like I stink at this. This is not an, a strength area for me, to be honest. I would say this is not a strength area corporately for our church, but it's true. It's who we are. And I want to get into this a little bit this morning and just see if we can come up with anything. And the thing I want you to keep in mind the whole time is this is an identity issue. This is not about being who you're not. This is about being who you are. If you're a Christian, this is true. You are Christ's ambassadors. If you're not, this doesn't apply. I have some other things to say to you, but if you're not, this do, if you are, this applies. Just like if you're a Christian, it applies. God loves you. That's true. And if you choose not to live on that foundation, it's like trying to go to New York using directions to Los Angeles. You're never going to get there. If you're not basing your life on the truth, then by default, you're basing it on a lie, which is going to wind up costing you and costing everybody you're in relationship with. That's true whether it gets whether it's as basic as God loves you, or that's true if it's the issue we're talking about today, which is we're Christ's ambassadors. Now, again, I own from the beginning, this is not a strength area for me, so don't hear me talking down about we all need to be out there sharing, and you know, there's an art in the park, and who's going to go stand up on the pavilion and yell the loudest. That's not what I'm talking about. And hopefully as we get into this, you'll see this. A couple of things about being ambassadors. The first thing, ambassadors have a specific sphere of influence that's determined by their boss. Barack Obama determines who's going to be the ambassador to Egypt. And that dude has authority in Egypt. He can't go to, not in France, not in Spain, in Egypt. They're parameters that are set by the boss. And that is 100% true for us your God has set parameters for you. He has placed you in a world. And within that world, you have authority and you have influence and you have responsibility to function as his ambassador. And what I want you to hear this morning, you already know that. What I want you to hear this morning is you need to trust your appointment. If you have any confidence in God's sovereignty, if you have any trust at all that he has put you in the place where he wants you to be, then trust your appointment. Many of us don't function as ambassadors in our world we because we disqualify ourselves. We're not smart enough. We don't know the Bible enough. We haven't prayed enough. We're going to be called a hypocrite. What, whatever. And I'm saying God knows all of that, and he placed you where he placed you. Can you trust him? Can you trust the boss that he knew all of those things, and he placed you where he did in the network of relationships that you're in? in that job, in that neighborhood, in that school, in that family, with those people, no matter how dysfunctional or uncomfortable or wonderful or whatever that is, can you trust that he's placed you there? It's not about you. 
at that point. It's about him. Do you trust your boss? He's knowing everything that he knows about you. Psalm 139, he knows you inside and out. Ephesians 2.10, he knows what he wants you to do. Can you trust that that is the case? And, and knowing all of that, knowing what you're good at, what you stink at, what you like, what you hate, all of that stuff, knowing your personality, knowing all of that, that he's placed you in a place, in a particular web of relationships, to be an ambassador. If it would be better for me to be there, can you trust that he would have put me there? And if it would be better for you to be in my place, can I trust? Well, he would have done that, but he didn't. He put me in my relationships. He put you in yours. So can you just own that? Can you trust your appointment? Can you trust your assignment and stop disqualifying yourself? Some of you, I don't know the Bible enough. The Bible says I'm supposed to be able to give a reason for the hope within me. I can't do that. Then learn how to do it. It's not hard. But God's not looking for defense attorneys who can justify to somebody why he did or did not act in a certain way. That's not what we're talking about. If he wants Billy Graham, he'll get Billy Graham. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about you with the skills and the talent, with the strengths, with the weaknesses, with the temperament, with the personality that you have. Can you trust that given all of that, God actually knew what he was doing? and put you in a place where you can be effective, where you can be an ambassador, where you can exercise influence, authority, where you can reflect who he is to the people around you in the way that's you. Trust your assignment. Second thing, ambassadors speak for their bosses. You don't have to come up with your own message. You shouldn't come up with your own message. Ambassadors speak for their bosses. So, we need to know the message. If you don't know it, you're not going to be super effective. Not to make anyone feel guilty, but if you were to go to the square when we're done, you're going to walk around and look at the art or whatever, and somebody came up to you and said, hey, I just saw you leaving that place that looks like a church. I've been wondering about this. What is Christianity all about? Or what is this good news I've been hearing about? What would you say? No abla English? Like, how would you reply to them? Maybe, maybe somebody's still down there who can answer your question. Or do you feel like, yeah, I could answer that. I'm not saying you've got to be a, we're not looking for theologians. That's, that's not the thing here. We're called to be ambassadors. We're not called to be theologians. You're not, many of you are not called to be pastors. None of that. That's not what I'm talking about. But could you answer that question if someone in your circle asked you? If somebody in this world that you're in asked you that question, and many of us can't. Some of you are like me. You've been a Christian since you were 12. And it's just, it's just kind of in you. And you don't know. You can't remember what it was like to not be in a relationship with God. You don't feel like you can relate to people who aren't in a relationship with God. You don't know how to speak without using Christian jargon. And so the whole idea of trying to answer, you don't know how to answer that. And then it embarrasses you that you don't know. And then you feel guilty because you don't know and you're not saying anything about it and it just locks you down. And you know, it's not, it's not good. Paul says right here, this is all you need to know. This is it. This is the general message. The ministry of reconciliation. What is that? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. That's it. That's it. 
He's given all of us as ambassadors. Well, what's the message that we're supposed to be conveying? What is what are we supposed to be reflecting? What's the appeal that God is making through us? The ministry of reconciliation. Well, what is that? Verse 19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. That's it. A few little things on that. The first thing is we're estranged from God. Again, some of us have been Christians for so long we can't even remember that. But everybody is, is born estranged from God. God doesn't have to reconcile a relationship that's already good. You reconcile with somebody that you're at odds with. You have to fix a broken relationship. If the relationship's good, there's no need for reconciliation. So the fact that we that God has instituted this ministry of reconciliation says things aren't good. Things aren't good between us and him, us being humanity, generally and individually. That's the first part of the gospel. Things aren't good between us and God. The second thing is that God has instituted, initiated reconciliation. It begins with him. That's a big thing, particularly in the Bible Belt. He started it. We didn't. Everything has come from his love. John 3.16, most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that. It, reconciliation begins with him, not with us. He has initiated. It's the difference between asking somebody out and being asked out. Y'all remember my school, we had, for everybody, there were two dances. Prom was for juniors and seniors. Everybody else, there were two dances. I went to Marietta High School right down here. We had homecoming in the fall where when we went, boys asked the girls, and then we had girl break in the winter where the girls asked the boys. Two totally different perspectives for me. During homecoming, if you don't already have a girlfriend, there's kind of a protocol that you go through. There's a, there's a window when it's acceptable to ask. If you ask too early, you're desperate. If you ask too late, you get leftovers. No offense. So you're somewhere in between that there's a there's a magic window before homecoming where it's okay to ask and not appear desperate and not be stuck with whoever's left and you kind of have this thing this is so callous but we were 16 at the time so you have this thing where you're trying to figure out high how high up the food chain you can go and still be in your league ideally you want to hit it at the top of your threshold Occasionally you overreach, and that's not good. That's when you get excuses or just flat no's. But you want to know, how, where's the ceiling for me? And you want to hit just up there. But again, you're worried about the timing because she might be, she's thinking the same thing. What's the ceiling for me? You don't have a car. Your dad's going to, or whatever that is for her, I might be able to go out with an upperclassman. And so there's this game that we're playing where I'm, I'm asking, so the risk is all on me. And there's an opportunity cost there. How humiliated am I willing to be in terms of who do I ask? Well, she might be a sure thing. She's iffy. She, uh. And so how high up the scale am I willing to go when I ask somebody? That risk is all on me. Then it flips in the winter when I'm the one waiting on all of that, and the girls are doing the same thing. Hmm, he's, hmm. You know, he's a, where is he on my list, on my food chain and the timing and all of that? And maybe you've been on both sides of that. 
when it comes to this, with reconciliation, God has taken all of the risk. He's stepped out, and nobody is sitting around waiting to be called. The offer's already on the table. He's already done it, and it's open to everyone. He's taken 100% of the risk. When you think about it, it's amazing that the God of the universe has put himself out there and said, will you? Not you must, but will you? Leaving it open for us to say yes or no. Amazing. Every other religion that I know of says you broke it, you fixed it. You have to fix it. And here's what you do to fix it. Christianity says you broke it, I'll fix it. Will you accept my fix? Completely different. That's the message that you're bringing to someone. We're estranged from God. It's broken. But he's taken all of the initiative. He's taken all of the risk in stepping to us. And through Jesus, that's the next point, it's through Jesus. Again, in the Bible Belt, that's important to emphasize. It's not going to church. It doesn't matter how good a person you were. It doesn't matter if your grandmother helped build a church at some point. It doesn't matter if you were baptized when you were six. Through Jesus, through a relationship with him, your relation, you are reconciled to God. You see that right here. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's an exchange. You give him your sin, he gives you his righteousness. That's a good deal. You charged up the credit cards and he pays the debt. That's, that's it. And then the last point is that the offer's on the table. He's init- he has made this offer. He's asked you, will you? And you have to respond. Paul says, now is the day of salvation. Not yet is a functional no. It might not be an actual no. It's a functional no, saying not yet. And you can do that for a time if you're investigating, trying to figure out, is this thing real? Is it true? Bible says count the cost. But at some point, not yet equals no. And you just need to know that. That's the message. We're estranged from God. He's initiated reconciliation. It's through Jesus, and the offer's on the table. He's asking. He's taken, like, all of the awkwardness. He's taking that on himself. He has humbled himself, the one who was offended, and has said, I'll make it right if you'll let me. That's the offer. That's what we're ambassadors of, not why do bad things happen to good people. You don't have to be able to answer that question. Not why didn't God do this or why, what happens to people who've never heard the gospel in the middle of the African continent. That's not what you're an ambassador of. You don't have to know the answer to that question. There are people who know the answer to that question. You don't have to. You don't have to be able to refute Darwinism in five easy steps. That's not, that's not what you're the ambassador of. You're the ambassador of the message of reconcil- the ministry of reconciliation, which is it's broken and God will fix it through Jesus. Will you say yes? It's completely different. You're qualified for that because you've received it. You can testify to it because it's happened in your own life. If you're a Christian, then you're a minister of reconciliation and you have the authority, the credibility to speak this because you've lived it. You've experienced it. You don't have to know all of the answers to all that other stuff. 
You don't have to be able to debate the difference between Islam and Christianity. That's not what you're an ambassador of. There are people who do that. There are people God calls into all those other areas. And if it's not you, then for the goodness sakes, don't let it be you. Be who you are. Which is someone who's received the ministry of reconciliation. And leave that other stuff to the guys who that's them, who enjoy that, who get into that, and who can do that. Don't use that as an excuse to disqualify yourself, to stay quiet. There's a general message. There's also a specific one. I think this is important for all of you. Just like uh, I would say trust your appointment in terms of I'm an ambassador in this place. God knew what he was doing when, when he put me in this school or in this job or in this community or in this web of relationships. He knew what he was doing when he did that. So I can trust my appointment and that he will give me the authority and the influence and all of those things that I need to be an ambassador there. I would say also trust your heart. There's a, we all have a slant on the gospel. Who here went to the University of Georgia? Raise your hand. All, okay, we did. If, if we have an 18-year-old high school senior who's about to leave to go to the, who's trying to debate colleges, and they're trying to decide between tech, who went to tech? We win. So if you're trying to decide between tech in Georgia, well, one, you can just look around and see the whatever. So if you're trying to decide between tech and Georgia, each of us would have a different take on why one versus the other. Probably. There's probably 12 people who went to Georgia, and we would all probably have a different take on why it was good if we thought it was good. Well, I really enjoyed this, or this was the thing about it that grabbed me. If you're, if you're this kind of person... This is how it's going to hook you in. And same for the guys who went to tech. Different experience for all four of those guys. And they would probably speak to a different... That wasn't a slam. Because <laughs> what? It's hard to get into tech? Okay. We're, we're uh, digressing mightily. So... Those guys would each, they each had a different experience and they would probably tell you something different. Like I can, Brandon was in a fraternity and he might talk about that element of it. I know another guy who was here who went wasn't, but he had this close group of friends and they did Christian things. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, there are different reasons why people went. That totally was not fair. None of that's going to come through on the recording either. So. Uh, we have, I've lost all of it. This is the point. You have a, there's a, there's a take that you have on Christianity. Just like there's, again, with these other things that we're talking about, there's things about Georgia that appealed to me that might not have appealed to other people that went. Things about your school or whatever that appealed to you. And when you're being an ambassador for that, which you are, anytime you're telling someone about your school, you're being an ambassador, you're telling them from your perspective. You're not giving them some objective course catalog on why they should go to Georgia or why they should go to Georgia Tech. You're telling them what you experienced. That doesn't devalue what you're saying at all. Not one bit. People want to hear from, it's you. You're the one in the web of relationships. If they want the PR spiel, then they'll call the director of admissions. They don't want that. You're the one they trust because you're the one they're in relationship with. You have credibility with them. They want to know what you think. And the same thing is true when it comes to the gospel. Don't try to give them some canned 
version of what you think they need to hear. Tell them what God has done in your life. That's what you're an ambassador for. You've experienced it, so tell them that. If it doesn't click, it doesn't click. As an ambassador, your job is to announce and invite, not to convert. The Bible is very clear. The Holy Spirit convicts people regarding the condition of their heart, and the Holy Spirit leads people to repentance, which is turning towards Jesus, and faith, which is trusting him. That's his job, not yours. I I announce, I invite. It's a lot easier for me to tell you I'm engaged and to invite you to my wedding than it is to convince you to propose to your girlfriend. That's the difference. You don't have to convert anyone. All you're doing is saying, I'm an ambassador for what God has done in my life. It's your take. Don't try to make it somebody else. Don't try to make it objective. That, that doesn't exist. There is no mountain that we can stand on with complete objectivity. So don't try. Be who you are. God knows what he was doing. Trust your assignment where you are and trust who you are in that place. Don't try to sound like somebody else. What has God done in your life? That's what you're an ambassador to. You've been reconciled to him if you're a Christian. How have you experienced that? And it's different. For someone like me, I became a Christian when I was 12. My story is radically different from, than someone who became a Christian when they were 25 or 26 or 27. I don't work for a lot of people because they can't relate to that because they're not 12 anymore. And you do because you connect with them on a different level. A few things you can learn from Kroger, the lady in the shop, I mean in the checkout line. One, don't manipulate. If you want to talk to me, don't talk to my four-year-old. Talk to me. Same thing is true with us. God never manipulates. And if you find yourself crossing that line, then you're not cooperating with him anymore. You've stepped off. You're doing things on your own. Don't. It's not your job to convert anybody, which is difficult when you love people. Not your job. You announce. You invite. The Holy Spirit does the work. It's up to them to respond. If you find yourself trying to set things up, if that's what's going on in that brain of yours, how can I make this happen? How can I make this person run into this person? How can I quit? Quit. That's you building the house, not the Lord building the house. And if it's based on you, you don't want that pressure. It'll come crashing down. You want anyone who says yes, you want them to say yes because they're convinced in their own heart that Jesus is the way. That is solid. You don't want them saying yes because you tricked them into it or you guilted them into it or you manipulated them into it. That's not solid. That doesn't last through time. So don't manipulate. Second thing I would say, you have to practice what you preach. Don't take plastic if you're going to tell me to bring my own bags. You can't do it. One of the biggest charges against Christianity is we're, we're hypocrites. Okay. What I would say to that, two things. One, Jesus wasn't a hypocrite. Look at him and see if you can, if you like what he's saying, he's the best example of what it is, of what we're talking about. And he wasn't a hypocrite. For the rest of us, it's just do your best. Just tr do your best to live up to what you know. That's in Philippians. Just live up to what you've attained. You're, yes, you're going to mess up, but don't let the fact that at some point somebody might call you a hypocrite keep you from being an ambassador. You're going to mess up, and so are they. Nobody lives up to their convictions 100% of the time, 100% of the way. That's just part of it. My experience what people are looking for is authenticity, not perfection. 
If you'll be genuine, that's enough. It's enough. But you need that to me entails practicing what you preach. But the second thing is you have to preach, or the third is you have to preach what you practice. This woman was granola from everything told me that. But until she asked the question, I'm just an observer. I'm not a participant. Talking is what engaged us. At some point, you have to say something. There's a, a lot of us sissies have this philosophy. Well, they'll just see that I live different, and then they'll ask me. When was the last time you ever asked anybody that question? I've been noticing that you live differently. Why is that? Any of you ever asked anybody that question? Then why do you think someone's going to ask you? At some point, you have to engage people, and you do that by talking to them. And the picture is it's people in your world. You already engage them on any number of issues. You argue about who's the best college football team. You talk about restaurants, movies, school, kids, work. You talk about all that stuff. You're already talking about subjective matters, and you're already sharing your opinions, and you're already disagreeing, and you're, you're already doing all of that. Talking about this doesn't add any new dynamic other than now you're sharing something that, at least in your mind, should be the best news out there. The last thing I would say is don't start with what people should do for God. Start with what God has done for you. Unless I had these newfangled invisible bags, she could tell I didn't have any. I had 18 items in my cart. It would have been, it's obvious to anybody if there's a bag in there. She asked a question she already knew the answer to. She was setting me up so she could tell me something she wanted to tell me. It made me want to say, can you triple bag my stuff individually? I don't like when my food touches. <laughs> that's not what she was going for. And that's not, but we do that. We do that all the time when we set people up. If you die tonight, do you know if you go to hell? Yeah, I do. What are you going to do? That doesn't help. You're boxing people into a corner. That's not, that's not, don't. It doesn't, it doesn't get you where you want to go with anybody. It doesn't help them either. It, they'll, same reaction I have. Well, if that's how it's going to be, then, you know, no. You want to start not with what people should be doing for God. Start with what God has done for you. That's, that's attractive. That pulls people in. And then they can decide if they want it or not. Don't start with where they've messed up. It's not helpful. You don't want somebody to start there with you. You automatically get defensive. And so does everybody else. That's a natural reaction. So don't start the conversation that way. Start with what God has done for you. And none of this it has to be forced. If Again, this is the, the picture is not you're walking to strangers on the street. It's that you're talking with people who you're already in a relationship with. You're living out your calling as an ambassador for Christ in the world, in the country where God has placed you. You already know the language. You already know the culture. You already, know the connect, you already have the connections. It's just a matter of, to me, intentionally recognizing your calling as an ambassador and trusting your assignment which ultimately gets to trusting your boss, that he knew what he was doing when he put you there, and you honestly have something to share. You, you have something to share. If we're serious about what it means to be a Christian, if we're serious about the gospel, 
that there's, there's with God and there's not with God. You absolutely have something to share. Life is better with him, and death is absolutely better with him than without him. This is what I want you to do. Uh, Bo's going to come back up. We're going to close with ministry. If you want prayer for anything, we'll absolutely we'll pray for you. But uh, this is kind of tied to the message, two things. One, I would say just this week, my challenge to you is to do it. Some level, I want you to be an ambassador for Christ. And I'm going to lower the bar. You don't even have to do it face-to-face. It can be phone. It can be email. I'm not sure you can communicate it on a text message. You definitely can't send out one of those generic Christian cards through the Internet that says click here for this link. Anything else is, is fine. Phone call, email, in person. I want you to intentionally commit to functioning as an ambassador for Christ one time, this, just once, with one person. You've got all of this web. What it is for me, it means that you're trusting your assignment. That's it. I'm not looking for results. I'm looking to say that we are, we are growing in terms of trusting our assignment, trusting that God has placed us somewhere for something. You don't have to sit down and pray with anybody. You don't have to lead them through the gospel of John. You don't have to do any of that. You just have to be willing to share the ministry of reconciliation that you've experienced. And the second thing, we, we will pray for this. If there are people in your life who you're hurting for, you know they're, they are estranged and you want to see them brought near, we're going to open up this side of the room and you can just come and pray for them. Nobody's going to touch you. Nobody's going to come uh, talk with you or anything. You can just have this, this row right here in this area up here and you can just kneel, make that an altar, and you can pray for those guys. And we'll have ministry teams over here on this side. Is that clear? Good. Y'all can stand.